Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been working our way through the book of Daniel for about the last two months here at our church. And after today, we've got two weeks left. This has been the most thorough study of this book of the Bible for an extended period of time that I've ever done in my life. And those of you that have been journeying with us week after week, perhaps you've wondered from time to time, why why are they stretching this thing out so long? (laughs) Can't we be done with the book of Daniel yet? I'm sure we we could have just had, you know, one or two sermons kind of getting the overarching purpose and meaning and storyline. And that's true. Uh, We could have done that. But we want to be a church that takes the Word of God seriously. And I, as one of your pastors, want you to be people who take the Word of God seriously. Not just on Sunday mornings, but in your daily habitual life. I want you to be people who open up the Word of God and read it and take it to heart. To know the Word of God, but not just to know it, but to believe it and to behave it, to love it and to live it. Frankly, this is what Daniel demonstrates to us in today's lesson. We're in Daniel chapter 9 today. And today in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel is facing again a, a very challenging experience in life. And so what we will see Daniel do when faced with a challenging experience in life, what he does is he searches the scripture and he prays. He searches the scripture and he prays. What do you do when you face a challenging life experience? Call your mom, maybe? (laughs) Do a search on Google? Look up a YouTube video? Pull your Facebook friends? What do you do? I think for a lot of us, reading scripture and praying are at the bottom of the list. For some reason, we think those are old and antiquated methods that won't give us anything practical. But today, I want you to walk away from today having heard two things. I want you to hear this today and walk away from here. One is that God has commanded you to be people who are obedient to his word. Key word, obedient. And you will only know how to be obedient to the word of God if you know the word of God and spend time in the word of God and pray that God will open his word to you. But the second thing that I want you to hear, which is equally important, is that your obedience will not save you from your sin. Only the obedience of Jesus Christ on the cross will forgive you of your sin. And yet you're still called to be obedient to his word. So we're going to walk away from today having heard both of these things, but we'll expound on them today. Let's see how this plays out in the life of Daniel as he demonstrates to us these spiritual habits of both scripture reading and prayer. But first, let me set the stage for you once again. 
Daniel was taken into captivity in the year 605 BC when the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar came and was trying to take over the Middle Eastern world and he came to the city of Jerusalem where Daniel and his family and friends lived and Daniel and others were taken captive up out of Jerusalem, taken 700 miles away and brought to Babylon. Daniel was a young teenager at that point of nobility and wealth and uh, intellect and so he was brought Uh, to Babylon, to be raised up as a Babylonian in order to serve the kingdom of Babylon in the world. Well, it's been 66 years, and in our journey throughout Daniel, we've covered events during this time. But in the year 539 BC, 66 years after captivity, a new kingdom, the Medo-Persian kingdom, came. We've heard about this in previous weeks. They came under under the direction of King Darius, And that year was the year that Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he would not bow down and pray to King Darius. He would only pray to his God. I preached about that story in Daniel chapter 6 a couple of weeks ago. And if you missed it, you can go back and take a look at this. Um, And and actually, we we have a landing page on our website that we've dedicated to all things Daniel. We've been putting out a lot of content Uh, about Daniel, our sermons, uh, home huddles, uh, podcasts that we do weekly, Bible study materials. If you go to copperluth.org slash Daniel, you can find all of that categorized by chapter and by week if you want to go back and dig into any of this at any point. But what we heard in Daniel chapter 6, where Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, was that Daniel was a man of deep prayer. Three Three times a day, like clockwork, Daniel would pray to his God. But when we were in Daniel chapter 6, in this whole time when when he wouldn't bow down and pray to the king, he only prayed to God, we never heard any of the content of his prayers. We don't know what he was praying at that point other than that he was praying to his God. However, Daniel chapter 9, where we are today, which is one long prayer of Daniel, actually happened that same year. We don't know if it happened before he was thrown into the lion's den or after, but it was all in that same sort of time frame, and we have the content of Daniel's prayer in front of us today. But before we get into the content of Daniel's prayer, first, before Daniel began praying, in Daniel chapter 9, here's what it said. It said he he perceived in the books. What this means was Daniel was reading the Bible as he had it. He had the scrolls of Moses in the law and also of the prophets. And Daniel was reading the prophet Jeremiah one day. And as he was reading the prophet Jeremiah, he noticed that Jeremiah prophesied that the exile in Babylon would last for 70 years. Actually, uh, in the year 605 BC, that, that first, uh, that when, when uh, the Babylonians first came, Jeremiah also lived in Jerusalem, and he was a prophet in Jerusalem. And in that same year, he wrote these words, Jeremiah did. This is Jeremiah chapter 25, verse 11 and 12. He said, the whole land, this, this whole land of Jerusalem shall become a ruin and a waste, And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon 
and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So this is the year that they went into captivity, and Jeremiah tells the people that their captivity in Babylon will last 70 years. Okay, so here is Daniel, 66 years later. The Babylonians have been overthrown, and he's reading Jeremiah, and it clicks in his mind. Whoa, our time in captivity is almost over. Our time in captivity is almost over. Daniel, think about this. Here's what I want you to hear. He knew the word of God. He knew the word of the prophets. He saw what was happening in the world, and he put two and two together. (laughs) He knew God's word. He knew what God was doing in the world, and it started making sense to him. So then he started searching the scriptures even more for what this all meant. As I think about what Daniel is doing here, I think to myself, am I that attentive to God's word and to the way that he is at work in this world? Are you? Are you attentive to God's word being at work in the world? Are you attentive to what is happening in the world and seeing how God's word interacts with these things and how you are at work in the world according to God's word as well? Are you attentive to these things? Daniel paid attention for 66 years of his life, three times a day, like clockwork, praying to his God, searching the scriptures, trying to live as a faithful person in exile. But what about you? Are you attentive to God's word in your life? Are you aware that God is active in this world right now? Perhaps you've asked God the question, or at least wondered, God, what is the purpose of my life? What are you doing in me right now as I'm living in this world, doing my job, going to school, being retired? What's my purpose? I'm sure you've thought of that at least. Maybe you've even wondered, God, what are you up to? It's been 2,000 years, Jesus, since you were here. I know you've promised to come back, but what are we supposed to do until you come back? When are you coming back? What are we supposed to do while we wait? Have you not wondered these things? In the grand scheme of things, on a very high level, no matter who you are, no matter how old you are, whether you're old or young, no matter how much education you have, if you believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and you're baptized into his name, You and I share the same command from Jesus Christ. And it is this. He says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus says these words, as you go, or go, wherever you go, when you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is what Jesus has said to do. He told his disciples to do that, and he tells us. This is for us as well. 
So I ask you today, are you attentive to this word of God in your life? What this means is, are you aware and paying attention to the people in your life? To the questions that they are asking? To the things they're worried about and wondering about? Are you attentive to the people in your life who who know Jesus, who believe in Jesus, but just have never had anybody walk with them and teach them and show them how to live as a follower of Jesus in every way of their life? Are you listening to their questions when they say things to you like, I wish I just understood the Bible a little bit better. I wish I could figure out what my purpose in this life is. Are you attentive to those comments because that is a comment for you to interact and intersect God's word with their life and to say things like, I'm so glad you asked. Why don't we meet regularly and search the scriptures together? I'm not a Bible expert, but we could read the Bible together and pray together and see what God has to say about these things. Are you attentive to those people in your life? And on the other side of things, are you attentive to the people in your life who don't yet know Jesus? Are are you in interactions with people who don't know Jesus and and when they say things like, man, this is a really messed up world, what gives? Are you attentive to God's word at work through you in that moment to speak up and to say things like, yeah, it is a messed up world. And from my perspective, I call that sin. But I know one named Jesus who forgives sin and has promised that he will come one day and make all things new. Are you attentive to God's word at work in the world through your life for the sake of the world? Daniel was. Daniel was. He knew God's word. And he saw the word at work in the world. He paid attention to it, and he saw how it was being fulfilled. So back to Daniel. Daniel, he was reading Jeremiah's word, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, and and he, he knew it, and he saw it coming to fruition. Jeremiah had said, captivity will last 70 years. Daniel's been there for 66 years. So he turns then to God in prayer in prayer, and he talked to God directly. And what was the content of his prayer? It was a heartfelt prayer. Daniel chapter 9, a prayer of of confession, a prayer of repentance. It says that he put on sackcloth and ashes, which is an Old Testament way of mourning and grief and repentance, saying to God, God, we have sinned. We are far from you. Daniel, in his prayer, he even goes farther back than Jeremiah and he quotes Moses. Moses was a prophet a long time ago and Daniel and his contemporaries had Moses' words, the words of the law. And Daniel acknowledges in his prayer that when God was dealing with Moses and the people of old, that God had a very simple principle for his people. It was this, be obedient To my word and you will be blessed. Be disobedient to my word and you will be disciplined. Be obedient, be blessed, be disobedient, be disciplined. 
That was God's simple principle for Moses and the people of old. And so Daniel looks at Moses' words and he says, you're right. We have not been faithful people. We have not listened to the word of God. We haven't listened to Moses. We didn't listen to Jeremiah who was pointing us to Moses. We didn't listen to any of the prophets who said, repent or you'll be sent into exile. We haven't done it and so here we are. But in Daniel's prayer, he's not blaming God for their exile. He's simply confessing and repenting that they have not been faithful and they have not listened to the words of Moses. So he confesses his sins and the sins of all the people and then he turns to God and speaks about the positive. He says this, Oh my God, oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. This is Daniel's heartfelt prayer to God, saying, Lord, you're merciful. You are a merciful God. We believe in your mercy. He's not blaming God for their captivity and their time of discipline. He's taking fault. He's acknowledging that they have sinned much. But he confesses and he trusts in the mercy and the faithfulness of God to forgive and restore. To forgive and restore. And as he is praying, we imagine Daniel in that room at his window, looking out the window towards Jerusalem, and he's praying. And as he is praying, immediately, the angel Gabriel shows up. Okay? An angel shows up to Daniel in the midst of his prayer. Gabriel, this angel, he, he showed up last week in Daniel chapter 8 to help Daniel understand a vision he had had. But now Gabriel shows up to answer Daniel's prayer immediately. Gabriel shows up and he says, I'm here and you are loved, Daniel. So I'm going to answer your prayer. What do you think happens when you pray? When you're praying to God, how do you envision that line of communication works? What do you picture? I think a lot of us have some sort of mentality like when we pray, it's like leaving a voicemail for God who's really busy. I mean, he's got billions of people to deal with. You know, and then being somebody like me from German and Finnish, you know, background, who's a little bit stubborn and think I've got things under control, it's sort of like, God, I'm going to lay this out here, but, you know, if you don't have time, it's okay, I probably got it, so, you know, just don't worry about it, but, I mean, if you can hear, you know, we're a little bit passive with God, and so, so we think of it as like, God, here's, here's my voicemail, if you can check it, get back to me when you've got a chance. 
And if we don't get a response, then we think, well, God must have been too busy to hear my prayer, or maybe I was just off in my prayers, and I don't know, maybe, maybe he doesn't like me after all. That's not actually how prayer works. I want you to envision that prayer actually works in the way that Daniel experienced it. I'm not sure the angel Gabriel is going to show up to you like he did to Daniel, but God answers prayer immediately. He does. When you pray, God hears your prayer. You don't have to wait, and he's not waiting to hear it. You're not leaving him a message. He is hearing every one of your prayers, and he answers immediately. Now, his prayer is not like a genie, or his answer is not like a genie in the bottle, like, you know, I want a million dollars. Boom, you got a million dollars. That's not how he answers prayer. But he answers your prayer like a father who hears the cries of his children and at a minimum says, I hear you. I'm not going to give you a million dollars, but I hear you. That's my answer to you, right? Sometimes the answer is yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's not yet, but he answers you immediately. God does. Gabriel's response. <laughs> Gabriel's response, it begins in verse 24 uh, through 27. Our, our, our reader, it was at the end of the reading with Marie Cleveland. Uh, Marie, these are some of the weirdest words in all of the Bible. I will admit this, all right? If you're reading it and you're going along, you're, you're reading Daniel's prayer, Gabriel comes and he says, I'm going to tell you the answer to your prayer. And then he starts talking about weeks and numbers and 66 and seven and halves and all this stuff. It's weird. Uh, honestly, uh, many Bible scholars call this the, the, the hardest section of Scripture in all of the Bible. One Bible scholar actually calls it the dismal swamp of all biblical interpretation. All right, so I had a class in seminary all about prophetic literature, and we spent like a week just on these four verses. And I had to write a paper all about them with all the varying degrees of interpretations that have been spun upside down and inside out and over and over and over again. Here's the point. What I'm telling you is when you read this, it probably doesn't make sense. And lots of people have tried to make it make sense. And if you want to do a deep dive, here's my offer to you. I'm going to attach my paper that I wrote in seminary to my Monday morning email. And if you want to read it, have at it. But for the purpose of this preaching, it would be frivolous for me to try to interpret that for you now. Because the point of Gabriel's answer to Daniel is to give him hope. To give him hope. These words of apocalyptic literature, which are future-oriented, vision-casting kind of stuff, it's to give Daniel and the people hope. They called it hope literature. So on a very grand scheme, here's what the answer to Daniel's prayer is. Daniel, God hears your prayer. He hears your prayer of repentance. He hears your desire for obedience and restoration and forgiveness, and it's coming. You will go back to Jerusalem. Your captivity will end. But even more than that will come one who will rule and reign his kingdom forever and ever and ever. He doesn't mention specifically, but he's pointing people to Jesus. It's hope literature. Hope literature. So Daniel, in this reading today, from Daniel chapter 9, we watch Daniel in his spiritual disciplines of scripture reading and of prayer, of watching the word of God at work in the world and stepping into that word 
stepping in, noticing how God's Word interacts with the world and how we play a role. Daniel desired to be obedient, and God has called you to be obedient. Obedient to His Word, obedient to the Great Commission. The people of old, in the Old Testament, they were commanded to be obedient, and if they were obedient, they would be blessed. But I need to tell you, on this side of the cross, on this side of the cross for us Christian people, your obedience to God's Word will not get you a seat in heaven, nor will your disobedience condemn you forever. There is only one who is perfectly obedient, and his name is Jesus Everything that you have been disobedient for, he was obedient on your behalf. Everything you've left undone, he's done. Everything you are incapable of doing, he does for you. This is his great grace and love. This is his forgiveness and restoration for you. But that does not lessen or cheapen what he's commissioned you to do, which is be obedient to his word. That doesn't go away. Actually, that should be even more beautiful on this side of the cross. Because you don't don't desire to be obedient to gain a seat in heaven or to look good in front of your peers. We are simply obedient to God's word because it's a better way to live for us and for the world. So open the word of God. Be habitually in the word of God so that you recognize God's work in the world and you step in. Be people of prayer, habitually in prayer, praying for repentance, deliverance, and forgiveness that God would make his ways and his word known to you. Let's end this in a time of prayer. Would you please join me? Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, our heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time in the book of Daniel where we see Daniel, a man of deep prayer and understanding of the scriptures. What he has modeled for us, Lord, is what you have also asked us to do to be people who know your word and to step into this world with your word, to be at work as you have called and commissioned us to do. Father, forgive us when we fall, when we are disobedient, when we turn away from you and turn to ourselves. Forgive us, restore us, renew us. Open our eyes once again to your word. May we live as forgiven people. May we proclaim your hope in this world, which is distraught and dark. May we bring your light and your love to this world always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.